0: The reading this morning is from Revelations chapter 19, verses 4 through 10. The 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God, who was seated on the throne. And they cried, Amen, hallelujah!" Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, both great and small. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, Write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, there are the true words of God. At this, I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers and sisters who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for it is the spirit of prophecy who bears testimony to Jesus. You may be seated. This is God's word.
1: Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Awesome, awesome. I bet there's been a lot of good stuff that's been going on, and I bet there's been a lot of stresses as well. I'm just gonna venture a guess there, but uh, that's this time of the year. Well, that's life in general, but especially this time of the year. As we want certain things for the holidays. We, uh, we entertain more or we, we go to things more. Um, we have people coming in town, lots of good stuff, traditions and other things we love to do, baking and all of that that goes with it. But then, of course, with that, there goes some stress as well. So I hope you're able to manage and balance those things, uh, the stresses with the joys. We been, we've been talking in this series during the season of Advent, the season of preparation, about embracing the season and everything that comes with it. Those, those things that we love to do, those traditions that maybe our family has, those traditions that we have in our society and in our culture, and balancing those things out, and how do we, how do we balance those things, and can we fully enter into them but still... How do we maintain the central importance of celebrating the birth of Christ and the simplicity of that and the message of that so that it doesn't become buried in everything else? How do we walk that? How do we balance that? So that's what we've been talking about in this uh, series and in this season of Advent. Today we talk about worshiping the Lord as a part of that. In a couple of nights, actually tomorrow night, starting with our traveler's service and then four more on Christmas Eve, this sanctuary will be filled with people as will the, the sanctuaries, the churches across this country and around the world, filled with people as they flock in to come and to celebrate the birth of Christ and the message of Christmas. It is the dream that we have as pastors to fill our sanctuaries like we do at Christmas and Easter every weekend. Wouldn't that be awesome? That would be great. That's what we think about all the time. How do we do that? No, we don't really think about that all the time, but wouldn't that be something? Our support staff is saying, no, that would be really challenging. No, they would love that too, but the reality is that doesn't tend to happen, but we rejoice with everybody that is here, and thank you for being here today as we prepare our hearts for Christ to come. You know, if left with, uh, it would be easy for us to, to make fun of those who, who only come once in a while, and, and we talk about, yeah, the ceiling's going to cave in on you, and all of these jokes and things that we have around that. And we love to, to tease one another with that, or we love to maybe tease those or, or maybe look down on those who only come on occasion and wonder why they aren't here the rest of the year. But when it comes down to it, would we rather not have them come at all? Or would we rather have them come, whether it's once or twice or a few times a year? Maybe on Christmas Eve, as you're looking for a parking spot, you'd say, yeah, I'd rather them not come at all, right? No, no, of course not. We want people to come. We want people to be here. And thank heavens that people come out in masses at times. That's why they call it mass, by the way. That was just a a little, little joke there. Catholic humor in a Lutheran church. It just doesn't work. But that's why, that's why we love to welcome people, and that's why we, Christmas is such a fantastic time as, as we get to greet all of these folks that are coming from all around, people that have family in, college kids that are coming back, people that we haven't seen for a long time, and say, oh, you're still alive. How great. I love to welcome people. And the welcome goes out. And we want to embrace everyone that walks through these doors. What compels people to come? I mean, if, if let's talk about those who don't come very often, what, what compels them to come? for things like Christmas or Easter? Is it just tradition? Maybe. But what compels you to come? I would say that there's something more going on there. Yeah, maybe there's some prodding and that, and, and thank heavens that, that God has prodded you to come here this morning. Maybe there's the prodding comes from a spouse or a parent or maybe the child to, to be here, to come and, and to be in worship and to gather together and, and be present. But I think there's something more that goes on, something deeper. We like to begin our worship services by saying, we believe the Lord has led you here. And what that means is we believe that God's prompting happens through those things like a spouse or a child or a parent. But that God's prompting comes not just here, but it comes in our daily lives, that God is speaking into our daily lives. And maybe you've had a, a really tough week and you're just wanting some respite and a, and a good word and some hope, something to, to bring back some semblance of, of peace or of joy in your life. And so you come seeking that. Or Maybe you're experiencing some brokenness in a relationship and so you come seeking some solace, seeking some interaction with others in a community, seeking some solidarity. Maybe you've feel guilty because of some hurt that you've caused or maybe you're you're upset or angry with a loved one and so you come seeking forgiveness and grace see we don't always know what people bring in when they come through the doors and so that's why we want to welcome and embrace everyone right where they're at so thank you for being here and welcoming one another to worship the Lord. The thing that makes the difference when we have those promptings in our life, when we feel that little nudge during the week, when it comes to the weekend, and maybe we're really tired, but we, we feel that little prompting or, or just that, that pattern of wanting to come and worship God, the thing that makes the difference is where our hearts are, and how we respond. Will we open ourselves up to that prompting, that Spirit of God nudging us along or not? God can speak to us in so many ways, and, and as we talk about embracing the season and everything that comes with it, I think God can speak to us through those traditions that we have, whether it's in our family or in our culture. One of the traditions that I um, have had in my past is attending Handel's Messiah. Has anybody here attended a live performance of Handel's Messiah? Let's see the hands come up. Oh, only a few of you. Wow. Wow. This is such an incredible experience. and Undoubtedly, you have heard pieces of Handel's Messiah. I'm gonna, we're going to hear a little bit of it in just a moment that you'll recognize very well. But to be there for a live performance is experience that is hard to relate. Uh, George Friedrich Handel, who... Uh, wrote the music for the Messiah uh, is is it's known as Handel's Messiah, but actually uh, the one who prompted the Messiah and the in the writing of that was a man named Charles Jenin. Jennon um, compiled together passages from Scripture, from the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah in particular, and the Gospels, and the book of Revelation, and other passages, and brought them to Handel. Now, Handel was born in Germany, but he spent much of his adult life and his work in London, and he was known for his incredible operas that he would write, very popular, kind of the Andrew Lloyd Webber of his day. And so Jennings, who compiled these passages of Scripture about the Messiah, wanted to have them put to music in a way that would do justice to those words of Scripture and to the message and the person of the Messiah to whom they were directed Whom they told. And so he approached Handel about it. And Handel wrote the music to the Messiah, this two and a half hour musical production, wrote the entire script by hand with a quill in 24 days 250,000 notes. I mean, just writing that out alone, how did your hand kind of keep up with that? Incredible. And some say he was divinely inspired in writing that. Well, judging by the Messiah's popularity and legacy, it would seem that, that Handel did the message justice. And Jennings and Handel desired for this production of the Messiah to be an evangelistic tool, to reach the masses with the message of the Messiah, of God's Son, the Savior who had come to the world. And so they decided, with a bit of criticism, to hold the performances in theaters rather than in churches. And to employ singers who were known within the secular world, secular singers, rather than church musicians. And in this way, to appeal to a broader audience, those who weren't necessarily as familiar with the message of God's Son. Additionally, the Messiah was often performed in those days as a fundraiser, helping to accomplish the very work of the one whom they foretold. Messiah, feeding the hungry, providing for the orphan and the widow, and bringing good news to the poor. Now those of you who have been to a live performance of this or have watched it maybe on television know that there is a point in the Messiah where everyone, those performing up on stage and those out in the audience, stand up enjoying and singing, and it's during the Hallelujah Chorus. Let's take a listen um, to that part of that moment. I've tried to get us to use that on our answering machine here at Alleluia, but uh, that hasn't flown yet. Alleluia. Who is this? Alleluia. Hallelujah. This moment that comes in handles Messiah is so powerful. I mean, it sends chills up the spine. And it's hard to really fully understand and, 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 underst- and experience this unless you've been in this. But this massive choir uh, that, that is formed and the singers and the symphony that's there, but then the whole congregation stands up. And it is a congregation because at this point it goes from being a musical to being a worship service. As the entire theater, the entire arena stands and sings together. Alleluia, for the Lord God Almighty reigns. These words of the Hallelujah Chorus come from this passage that we had read in the book of Revelation chapter 19. In verse 6 it says, Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like the hills of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. The Revelation, this book in the, the back of the Bible, the very last book of the Bible, is a vision that was given to the Apostle John in the first century when he was on the island of Potmos, I have a good story about visiting that. Ask me later and I'll tell you. To us, this book is strange, filled with fantastical images and creatures, and it's difficult to understand, and so we just tend to leave it alone because we're confused by what's in there. But for the first century Christians, this vision of John would have been a message of hope. Persecuted and feeling outmatched by those wielding earthly power, this small but growing band of Christians would have been encouraged by the imagery of Babylon being defeated. Babylon, this this symbol, this imagery of their oppressors, of everything that is against God, that is against them. And there is this imagery of Babylon being defeated, being overcome. And then that then ensues into the wedding feast, the victory feast for the lamb. When we hear lamb, we know that that's a symbol, a message of Christ, of the the one who was slain. And then this is a wedding feast. Of course, there is a bride. And the bride in this image is you and me, is the church. Is the body of believers who is united with Christ at the wedding. At the wedding. In this body of Christ, this body of believers, the church, the bride has made herself ready and been given fine linen, bright and clean to wear. And there is a note in parentheses in this passage explaining that fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. We know from other places in Scripture that the most righteous act that we can do is simply to believe in the Messiah, in the Savior, in His righteousness for us. Then the angel says to John, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. This is a hot ticket item. This is like trying to get to see Hamilton in the last two weeks. It's in Chicago. It's going on StubHub and seeing the prices are just astronomical and saying, nope, can't do it. And then somebody's saying, no, nah, come on, it's free. Really, if somebody wants to do that, come on. <laughs> no, no, I've, we've had a chance to see it. and It's incredible. This is a high-ticket item here. Blessed are those who are invited to the feasts of the kingdom of God. These words can be found in the Gospel of Luke. Once, when Jesus was at dinner at the home of a religious leader, he noticed how people came in and liked to sit at the best seats, take the seats of honor. And he used this occasion to talk about humility and taking the lower seat. And then he encouraged his host to invite not those of privilege and power, but the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. In other words, invite those who could not benefit him in any earthly status. When one of those who was at the table heard this, he said, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. Almost the same as the passage in Revelation. And both this and Luke are pulling this from the prophet Isaiah. Jesus then told the parable of the great banquet about a man who sent out invitations to a banquet that he was having yet the only thing he received back over and over again were excuses for why they couldn't come. Too busy, too occupied, too worried about other things. Then the man became angry and he sent his servants into the streets saying, bring the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servants said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out into the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house may be full. I tell you, not one of those who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. Those words of judgment may ring in our ears at the end of that passage, but hear what comes before that, this open invitation to all. Yes, those who... Um, would be God's people, those who know the Word of God, those who have come to encounter that, those who are familiar with that, maybe too familiar and too comfortable, and so the message goes out to others, those who may be unfamiliar, those who may be uh, feeling unwelcome. Those who may be on the fringes of society, those who may be hurting, those who are broken, those who have done wrong, those for whom they feel like the the ceiling of the the church is going to cave in on them if they enter into the sanctuary for what they've done, those who are feeling guilty, those who are hurting. The message goes out to all to come to the banquet so how do you and I hear this? How does this connect with us today? We are invited. We are welcomed to come into the presence of God. Here in community together to hear the word, to receive the sacraments. We are invited to come into the presence of God in our daily lives, to hear and to listen for that nudging, that, that little that little voice that comes to us, that reassurance, that one that wants to give us promise, that one that wants to push us maybe in a way that we don't feel comfortable with but that we know we need to go, that one who wants to bring us hope when we're feeling hopeless, that one who wants to heal us when we're feeling broken, that one who wants to console us when we're mourning, that one who wants to bring us life now and everlasting. That invitation is for us. but That invitation is for all. And so as people gather together here in these next days and come in, who knows bearing what in their life, who knows bringing what through those doors, we want to be welcoming and open and rejoice that they are here. Because we don't know what burdens they may be carrying or how God is going to speak into their lives through us, through the music, through the word, through what happens through his spirit. And so may we be welcoming in these days ahead, but in this year ahead as well. May we invite others to come to the banquet and to worship the Lord. Ultimately, how we respond to that invitation is up to us. But nonetheless, the invitation is there to come and to stand and to join our voices with those of the heavenly chorus and say, hallelujah, praise the Lord. The Lord God Almighty reigns forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Creator God, you invite us, you compel us to come into your presence, to come to the wedding banquet of the Lamb, to dine upon your word, to receive your grace, that our lives may be filled with peace and hope and joy, that we may be redirected from paths that are destructive, that we may know your forgiveness. Lord, help us to be people who are welcoming, inviting to others and compel them to come in to the banquet as well, to be aware of how you are speaking in our daily lives. Lord, thank you for welcoming us into your presence so that we may stand and join our voices with others and our hearts with others in praise of you. In your name we pray, amen.